The following was recorded live as part of Homeschool.com's 2005 Homeschooling Teleconference. To order additional recordings, visit www.homeschool.com or send an email to orders at homeschool.com. So our next guest for this hour, we're talking with Patricia Carnabusi. Uh, she is the, she conceived the idea for the Homeschool Learning Network. Uh, we call it HLN, which is at homeschoollearning.com in the spring of 2001. And that was through her deep knowledge of the K-12 online education industry and her passion for creating educational resources. Uh, she saw the growing need of home educators across the nation to find and use the wealth of valuable tools available online. So Ms. Carnabusi conceived of HLN after her five-year role as founder and executive producer of Education World. Uh, many of you are probably uh, familiar with that. That's www.educationworld.com, which was a nationally recognized K-12 education portal. And she's been deeply involved in every aspect of online education since the web's beginning. Uh, currently, she is uh, serves HLN as CEO and is faculty at the University of Phoenix, teaching graduate and undergraduate courses in business technology, the Internet, and the web. Um, Patricia is calling in from Maui. Very jealous to hear that. Uh, Patricia is also an expert on uh, unit studies. So we've asked her to come and talk about how can we use the power of the Internet in our homeschool. Welcome, Patricia. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. So how did you become an expert in homeschooling online? Well, I was before I got involved online, I was actually an architect. Um, and when my daughter was born, uh, it was right when the web was being born um, commercially. And so I really wanted to be part of her education process. Um, and so I decided to change careers. And so I think the main way that I became an expert is how every homeschooler can become an expert, which is just through exposure and passion about education and you know, going online and, and researching and finding different ways to search um, and using search criteria, you know, just k- keeping on using it. And Which the other way I think is for our children to have, isn't it? Yeah. And we live in the information age and the, the Internet is right there. I mean, like you said, you and I were started our businesses in the beginning of the Internet era eight years ago, but now it's common. Right, right. And I think another important way is through newsletters and um, online forums, you know, message board systems. I think that's a great way to stay informed about what's going on and what's available and uh, what's, you know, what's around on the web. How did you um, build up the curriculum and the resources for um, homeschoollearning.com? Um, through my staff at Education World, uh, they they contributed a lot to the original curriculum and ideas um, for the site. But more importantly, I think the main concept that I've learned over like the last 10 years is that everything is available online. It's sort of like software. You can do it with some soft Anything you want to do, you can do. And so if you go on the web with that attitude, it's out there, and I just need to find the right combination of websites and search criteria to find it, um, that's going to be the main the main thing that gets you where you want to go. Um, I think, you know, using tools, like for, for a business, you use a set of tools, right? Yeah, I have all sorts of software to link check and to store information. And homeschoolers, I think, need the same types of tools. They need to, to really utilize the power of their browser software and other software that they have on their computer to 
keep everything organized and um, find everything and have everything right available for them. Well, I'd love to hear some more about these tools. Is that too much detail, or can you give us an idea of how to use our browser? Um, well, the main thing, uh, it, most right now the most popular browser is Microsoft Internet Explorer, but there are some other ones that are coming up in popularity. Um, and the main thing is favorites. It's like having a file folder that's organized or not organized. With a properly um, organized file folder, you have everything right at your fingertips. And so for homeschoolers, I might be jumping ahead, but for homeschoolers, you can, however you do your homeschooling, whether you do it by subject, by theme, by week, by grade, um, that's how you can organize your your favorites. For example, I have one for every subject and every grade. So I have a language arts set of links and an arts and math and science and web quests and lesson plans. So it's, it's how you organize that information and store it that makes it right available to you. So, for example, I may not use, if I'm looking for a particular lesson plan on Abraham Lincoln, I may not go to Google to look for that because Google's going to have Lincoln car dealers, right? They're going to have all sorts of other resources in there. I may go to a specific, you know, um, education search engine kind of resource to find that. So it's having everything right at my fingertips or a history um, search engine, for example. I've been using the Google uh, Desktop, too, uh-huh. and that's really helping me. You go to Google.com, and you see a link for it where you download the Google Desktop because it keeps track of uh, all of the emails and the websites uh, that you've been using on your own computer. So, for example, I remember that I did something about Egyptian pharaohs, and I can't remember. You know, I, Maybe I, I didn't put it in the favorites, or I have so many favorites I've lost track of it. So if I put in Egyptian pharaohs, it brings up everything on my own computer, like a history of the use of my own computer. These are the websites that I've visited with those keywords. Here's some emails and questions and answers that I've had. Here's some message boards I've participated in. All that comes up right on the desktop. So I found that to be very handy, too. It is. Just make sure you have a strong firewall in place because once you're um, implementing that search technology, you want to make sure that nobody else on the Internet while you're online can access everything on your computer. Well, in fact, you know, which brings up a very good point. Let's talk a little bit about um, Internet safety. You know, now we're more comfortable with it, but it's still it's a big door that's open out there into the Internet where anything can uh, come in. Right. So how can we protect our children, ourselves, and our computers while we're taking advantage of this fabulous resource? Right. Well, the basics that pretty much come with computers these days are, you know, you're f- having some sort of firewall, having an Internet security system that includes... Um, spam filters, and virus protection. That's sort of the basics that's around. But in terms of um, safety on the Internet, like with your search engines and with your browser, you can turn on family safety, right? So you you can get rid of like a vast majority of the really bad websites that way. Um, But there's some other things as well um, that you have to watch out for, and that's like payment um, information. If you have a PayPal account or an eBay account, you have to be very careful about um, messages you get that say you need to update information. Oh, Uh, I know. They're so sneaky, aren't they? They're very sneaky. We had a virus that came through homeschool.com where suddenly it sent out a notice saying, you know, your subscription has been denied. You know, click on this link and give you some exactly. personal information. I went, oh, my gosh, where'd that come from? Yes. And one key thing you can do is if you put your mouse over the link that's in an email, you can see if it really is the link that it says it is. 
So in other words, it could say it's eBay.com, but when you put your mouse over the link itself, it'll say it, a little box will pop up and tell you the real um, ah. URL, and it's and it's usually not eBay. You don't have to left click it or right click it. Yes, you just put what your you mouse don't want to do is click on the links. Yeah, of course, any of them says it's .exec, exe, right. any of those executable files, no. my goodness, don't open them. Yeah. And the other thing is, if it says click to unsubscribe, if you're getting spam, don't click to unsubscribe, because all that does is tell the people that you have a valid email address, and you'll get ten times more. Oh, that's excellent advice. Yeah. In fact, let's talk a little bit about the junk mail, because it's really become a problem in society today. I don't want to digress off of the using the power of the Internet, but this, these are some of the downsides with using right. email and the Internet. Right. Uh, there's really good spam filters. I uh, like I like you had mentioned. I teach e-business, and I ask what is the advantages and disadvantages of email. And spam isn't even coming up on their list anymore because the spam filters are so good these days. Um, so you so if you can get one of those in place, um, they they're pretty intelligent, and you can catch most of everything you need to catch. Do you mind giving us some of your um, personal recommendations, your personal favorites for spam filters, firewall, virus scanner? Um, there's a Norton Internet Security has all of it built in. I don't use I don't use Outlook Outlook too much for my email system. I use a email system called Eudora, and that has a special spam filter called Spam Nix. But um, any of the I think um, McAfee and Norton both have uh, spam filters built in, and they're pretty strong and powerful. I've been using uh, PC Sillin as well. Uh huh. Which is from uh, Trendsetters, and that's that's been working well too. Because you can imagine, I get so many hundreds of emails every day. I really have to protect myself. Right. Right. So you like Norton and McAfee. Now, of course, Outlook Express is a bigger target for these viruses because right. so many people use um, Outlook Express as compared to Eudora. Right. So fewer people use an email program like Eudora. So it's it isn't the, the target for it. I guess the... the um, yeah, and the problem with Outlook Express, I do need to use that for some of my teaching, so I'm familiar with it, is that you have your your window open down below that shows, that automatically opens the email. Oh. When emails are automatically opened, something can automatically launch. So that's, yes. that, that was the danger of it. That's why it's important to have In fact, I used to do that okay. too. I used to have it where my inbox, it was automatically going in and every hour or so, whatever it was, it was downloading the email. Uh, I guess you don't want to have that because uh, you want to be able to go in and um, download the latest virus protection, you know, right. for the day and then have your email come in. Right. Well, that's excellent. Let's talk a little bit about, um, for example, not putting your credit card information in an email format. Right. You don't ever want to, yeah, you don't ever want to do. I mean, I guess the, the our business, the, the first business education world was a free resource for teachers. And it's still free, but you also have to deal with advertisements and pop-ups and pop-unders and all sorts of other things that distract you. So there are some sites that you that I am comfortable spending money on to get resources for whatever I need resources for. Yeah. So I think, you know, you can find very reasonable stuff, say, on eBay or on other websites. Like we offer unit studies for 2 or $3. You know, but the important thing is to know the place you're sending your money to. Yeah. Feel confident with them. Look at their um, About Us page. Look at their contact information page. Make sure it all makes sense. Make sure they've been in business a while um, before you start. Um, make sure they have secure servers to send your payment information over. Um, so I think, you know, you do want to be able to purchase online, but you want to feel comfortable about it. 
Yeah, and there's online shopping. People are pretty comfortable with it nowadays. Yes, so going right. and shopping and from the website. Secure. It is very secure yeah. to buy over through your browser. Uh, obviously, not through your website. You don't want to put your passwords or your credit card information in any sort of email. Right. So we haven't had any problems with the um, online orders at all. Yeah. So now, so now we've talked about using our computer and our email in a safe way. And, of course, educating our children, keeping an eye on what websites they're going to. Uh, I know that the experts tend to recommend that you keep your computer in a public area in your yes. home yes. rather than in the teenager's dark room where you, you, know, <laughs> you can't keep an eye on um, how they're using it or how right. often they're using it. Right. Also, raising our children not to give out personal information at all about right. themselves. And you have to be very careful about... Um, I think I had mentioned message boards, instant messaging forms are all very powerful for us to use to stay in touch with other homeschoolers, but they also can be great dangers for our kids because, of course, um, identity fraud is huge out there and people can pose as whoever they want to be. So it's important to make sure that that's all set up. And a lot of the systems nowadays, like AOL, for example, has filters so you can't let your kids do that sort of thing. So that's really important to keep on top of and talk to your kids about. And educating them that somebody may say that they're a 12-year-old little girl, but they may not be. Right. Yes. All right, so now let's talk about, so so the Internet and email and these message boards, it's a powerful resource for homeschoolers. Why is it so powerful and in, in, in what way? Um. Well, you mean in terms of what resources are available? Yes, let's keep talking about that. In what ways can we use the Internet to enhance our homeschooling? Well, there's basically there is a lot of different ways where you can set up a system that um, gives you everything right at your fingertips, and it can be very reasonably uh, reasonable in cost. So, for example, books are wonderful tools to use. You can get them from the library. You can get them from stores, but often they go out of date. Boxed curriculum that you buy is wonderful for a set of information, but sometimes you want to supplement that. But the difference with the Internet is that you can get things very cheaply or you can get it for free and you can get just about anything that you need. And when you say I'm using the Internet um, to educate my child, a notion comes up that you are going to sit your child down in front of the computer and then they're not going to get up for four hours and they're just going to be a zombie in front of the computer. And, mm. and what's available online is so much more diverse than that. Um, the, you can get recipes online, you can get art projects online, you can get field trip information online, you can, when you're planning your trip to your local museum, you can get information and lesson plans to help supplement your trip. Um, so there's there's so much more that goes beyond sitting in front of the information. It's sort of like when you go online to get a map nowadays when you're going, you know, three towns over. You're getting information off of the internet that's going to help you in real life, and it's not just going to keep you in front of the, in, you know, in front of your computer screen. You can and also get original source documents too, like the Declaration of of Independence and the Bill of Rights. Right from the with internet the, too. Yes, with the information app, there's so many primary sources and. The, the government has an am- amazing amount of resources that they have just loaded online um, in all sorts and shapes, and a lot of nonprofit organizations have a really strong mission to get everything available online from lesson plans to original documents. Um, and so those are all really, really important um, sources to keep at your fingertips when you're about to teach something. 
We interviewed uh, Joy Hakem last week. She's the author of The History of Us, which mm-hmm. is a um, history book series also made into a PBS series. And she talked about how, in her opinion, we should raise our children to be good writers of nonfiction reports, to be really good about going and researching a topic, and then instead of writing it in a typical five-paragraph form, that they should write what they know in a storytelling fashion. Mm-hmm. And she said that when we're sending our children to the Internet to do this research, have them always look at a website and say, why should I believe this source? You know, what is their agenda? For example, you may go into, you know, the history of uh, Germany, and it's written from a, a neo-Nazi uh, perspective. Mm-hmm. So our, uh, training our children to also say, oh, okay, maybe just be a little bit cynical. You know, why should I believe this? Uh, who, who is the sponsor of this site? Yeah, exactly. So they can and, be selective. Yeah, we do that. I At least I do that with my daughter with TV. Uh, you know, she says, look at that. That's a great thing. It's a commercial, you know, for a commercial on TV. And I say, yeah, but who's, who, where did that commercial come from? Who made the commercial? You know, and it's the same thing with websites. Who, where are you on the Internet? Are you at a, a government site? Are you at a nonprofit site? You know, can you believe them? Are they... Um, Obviously, a dot com is in the business to make money. I mean, I'm a dot com. You're, you're a dot com. So there's certain ones, you know. But you have to know what their their mission is and and what they're there for. What's their agenda? Yeah. What's the best way to get started? Do we need to have a plan when we're incorporating the internet into our curriculum, into our homeschooling? Um, you don't need to have a plan, but it it does help, and it depends on what type of homeschooling you're doing. If you're doing unschooling, then you're going to really let your your child or, you know, however you do your, your whatever your homeschooling method is, is going to be important as to how much of a plan you need. Um, but if you're going to use the Internet, you're going to want to think ahead and do a little research and have a couple hours to use the websites that you have uh, set aside to find everything that you need that will help you. So you could have a daily or weekly schedule planned in advance, um, you could have record-keeping documents. Um, you could have tools for creating a portfolio. Those would all be really helpful to have on hand when you're um, when you're going to be using the internet. And it depends on what else you're using. If you're solely using the internet, or if you're using it in combination with a curriculum um, that you already have set, then you have you already have a plan lined up. And you I bring think up that a is, good point, Patricia. That if somebody wanted to. They could homeschool almost completely for free just using the library and the Internet. Definitely. Are some um, homeschooling styles better adapted to using the Internet than others? For the most part, most are adaptable for using the Internet, but some are a little um, more um, adaptable. For example, you can do structured uh, structured homeschooling unit studies, eclectic, um, very easily online um, with the you know setting up a plan or a schedule. Um, all of those are very easy to research. Um, unschooling, you can also do. Some of the ones that are a little more difficult would be Montessori because there's so much didactic materials involved in it. Hands-on and, materials. Right. <clears throat> right. I suppose Waldorf, too, except for finding Waldorf supplies. Yeah, Waldorf goes back and forth because they have, you know, a lot of arts and movements, but they also have, you know, like their social studies curriculum is very adaptable to online. Um, you couldn't do parts of it, you know, the arts and movements part of it might be a little bit harder to do. But I guess that's part of what I'm saying is that even if you have a curriculum all set up, the Internet is just a powerful tool to use to supplement it and to fill in the gaps. Um, so 
What are some of the best ways to search for resources online? Um, the, well, there's two things that you have to consider. One is what keywords you're using. So, for example, if you're lo- using, if you're looking for um, something on whales, you're not going to just type in whales. You're going to type in whales lesson plan, whales web quest. There's some keywords that are really good that bring up some really juicy um, resources, and one of them is web quest because there's so many fabulous web quests out there. Um, so using whatever your topic is in combination with lesson plan, web quest, unit studies, or a specific grade, such as elementary. Like if you're looking for whales for elementary school, if you type whales elementary, um, then that, that works really well. Of course, the parents have to be a little careful, too, because I absolutely love Google, but my daughter was doing a search for Barbie, and it came up with a porno Barbie site. Right. Yeah, you know, what are you going to do? Right. Well, there are, yeah, you have to be careful about what filters you're using. And those those are the type of things. There's a lot of those commercial things that are (laughs) pretty scary out there. (laughs) Yes. So kind of keeping an eye on things. Yeah. And that was one of the reasons, that was one of the original notions for Education World back in 96 was, you know, to get rid of all of the porn sites from the general search, you know. But Education uh, World is still an active site. Education World is still an active site, yes. It's Do you have any resources? Yeah, it has great resources. You have to put up with a lot of advertisements because that's how they um, support it. Um, so there's a lot of advertising uh, on it. But the curriculum writers are excellent. And basically the only thing you have to do it for all of their lessons, and they have, you know, hundreds and thousands of lessons and curriculum ideas is you have to adapt it for homeschooling because it's geared towards the um, classroom teacher. The K-12 teacher. What about homeschoollearning.com? What type of resources do you have there that are helpful to the homeschooler? Um, Well, one thing that's free and on our homepage that is a great starting point is called homeschool portfolios. So anybody who's getting started using the Internet um, to educate um, can download that for free, and it's uh, 30 pages, and it has all sorts of worksheets and record-keeping uh, resources um, available. And it basically tells you how to keep a portfolio going of all of your child's work. So if you're using the Internet, you're not going to just want to sit them down. There are some really fun interactive games that you can use online, but there's also, on our site, for example, there's a lot of worksheets to download and projects to do, science experiments to do. And so what what you're going to want to do is use the Internet to find all of those different types of projects that that serves your child's learning style and then track it through photography, um, all, anything you can do to capture three-dimensional events, um, you're going to want to put into a portfolio so you really create a full a full record of everything that your child's done. Because we've, homeschool learning does not, um, particularly advocate sitting sitting your child down in front of the computer all day. We really want to get the full range of experience. In fact, no no one advocates that, using it as a resource but not as a prison. Right. Of course, now right. one of your specialties is using the Internet to put together incredible unit studies. Yes. We have some time. Can you give us some guidance? For example, pick a typical unit studies topic and then walk us through, teach us how to create unit studies? Um, sure, but I had a couple of links I wanted to give people. Uh, yes, they can please. email me um, as well, um, and I can send a link. My email is info at homeschoollearning.com. Um, but there's specific websites. 
In other words, when you go online, I think the key problem that people feel when they go online to educate is that it's overwhelming. You know, you look at Google and you type in a keyword and you see that there's 1,500,000 results. And then how do you know and how do you get through all of it and you can't. Um, and so there's some key things that are important, I think, for, for people to know about what's available online and if they don't know it already. Um, there's the basic search engines, which just need to be there in the background when you need them, which is Google, Yahoo, and Yahooligans. Everybody, I don't know if everybody knows about Yahooligans, which is a kid's search engine based on Yahoo. <clears throat> and then the other key sites that I just love and live at are Marco Polo, which is a government, it, it, it has a .gov extension, I think, or it might be a .org. But basically, you can search by subject and by topic, and it's all lesson plans and education resources. And there's nothing else in there, and it has to be kind of specifically approved to get on their website. And it's huge and very powerful. So Marco Polo is a really powerful one. Um, what is the web address for that? <clears throat> uh, you can send me an email, and I'll send a list. Some of the I can some of the um, URLs might be too long, but this particular one is marcopolosearch.org. So they're going to send an email then to you, info at homeschool learning. So it's going to have those two L's in there. Yeah. Dot com or dot org? Dot com. Dot com. And then you'll send them a list of resources? Yes. But the other thing they can do is just type these words into Google. Marco Polo, which will bring up the Marco Polo search. Discovery School, which is done by Discovery Channel, um, and they have they they're growing constantly, and they have wonderful lesson plans um, available right online. Um, the National Geographic uh, site has fabulous resources just to use as background information. Um, and for older kids, middle school through high school, the New York Times has a fabulous set of lesson plans available. Um, and for younger kids, Pro Teacher has a lot of ads, but they have a lot of great resources as well. Boy, uh, there's such great resources that it's awfully hard for people to write that down so quickly. Okay. But, I mean, but, they're, but they're really, really good. Now, I know on yeah. um, homeschool.com, of course, we have a list of the top 100 educational websites. Right. That's yes, available that's at homeschool.com in our articles section. You can check for top 100. That has the links on it. Do you, so do you have something like this, Patricia, that has the names and the links already on it? Because that would be so helpful. We do have a resource center that has most of that available from our homepage. Oh, you do, from homeschoollearning.com. Yeah, I'll check and see what's there. But we have um, homeschool resources that has top resources for all of the different subject areas. And you have that great information on how to create your own portfolio, learning portfolio for your child. Right, right. Now, you have unit studies that people can purchase, don't you? Yes, we have unit studies um, that there's. our program is set up so that anybody can learn in any form they want to. So if you wanted to, if you're, if you're unschooling and you just wanted different themes, you can log in and have access to over 250 themes, so whales and Abraham Lincoln and any, any topic that um, you're interested in. Or you can use our program structured week by week for any grade, so... Uh, if you have a second grader and a fourth grader, you can log in and get 36 weeks of second grade and 36 weeks of fourth grade. And our mission is to create it so that it's affordable because the Internet is affordable. 
and the problem is the organization and finding all of the resources that you need. And so our goal is to say, it is affordable. You can do it very cheaply online. Here's, here's our service that helps organize it for you. Um, and so ours is only $16 a month, basically. Um, but we do have unit studies for purchase um, for 2 to $4. Um, another great source for homeschoolers in general is eBay. We sell all of our unit studies through our own store, but we also have a store on eBay. And so through eBay, you can get a lot of really reasonable resources um, in general, unit studies and otherwise, used curriculum, for example. Um, so that's another great source for homeschoolers to look that's at. That's true. And, of course, we use your unit studies uh, CDs in our unit studies kit. Mm-hmm. But they're really just terrific, like the, the language arts. Tell us about the different uh, CDs you have for unit studies. Um, we have eight different topics, and they're basically by subject. So there's American history, ancient history, arts, um, geography. Uh, there's eight titles in all, and each include 20 to 30, 20 unit studies. And then we, ha- we offered something different recently, which is you can pick your own out of our 100, 200 unit studies. You can pick 30 that you want and create your own CD, and then we'll burn all of the unit studies that you are interested in across any topic um, onto a CD. So that's another interesting thing. Um, There's also a lot of free unit studies and free theme-based learning um, available. And so um, keywords for your search engines are unit studies and thematic units. Um, So those are – you can also – so you can buy things really reasonably for two or three bucks online. Um, and the great thing about what we're doing is that we send it via email so that you don't have to pay shipping because um, shipping is, you know, especially I, I'm real sensitive to shipping because we're in Hawaii and everything takes longer and costs more. <laughs> but to get something instantly, uh, you know, electronically is, is the power of the Internet these days. Um, but there are a whole bunch of free resources also available online through the search, through the search engines. Well, can you give us um, some tips, Patricia, on if we wanted to create our own unit study on um, dinosaurs, for example, mm-hmm. how would we use the Internet to create that thematic unit? Um, well, I would create um, a little matrix that has dinosaurs at the top and then it has different subjects. So dinosaur, so on the, on the top would say dinosaurs and then um, down one side it would say math, science, um, literature, you know, all the different subjects I want to cover within my unit studies. And then I would start my research online. So I would go to Google or Marco Polo and I would type in dinosaur math. And you'll be surprised. You know, you'd think that'd be a weird topic to type in, but you're going to go out and find information about dinosaurs and math combined through through different little projects and things that people have out there. And so I would go through and systematically think of keywords that would represent both. I would type in dinosaur themes, dinosaur unit studies, dinosaur math, dinosaur science, dinosaur literature or books. Um, and I would start to gather a whole bunch of links. I would probably create um, a, a favorite that says dinosaurs, and I would start to create links under that. And um, then through my research, it would all sort of sink in all of the sites that I'm saving um, and then I'd write up my plan and and then have the the websites lined up to assist. Now, some of them that you'd go and you would uh, print out sheets. For example, when you went to Dinosaur Art, the child would not necessarily be going to the computer during that time. Maybe you've printed out you know art sheets having to do with dinosaurs. 
or yeah. you found uh, songs related to dinosaurs where you bought the We Sing Dinosaur tape. Right. Okay, so sometimes it's interactive where the child is coming to the computer to uh, to explore the dinosaur museum, an online tour, or perhaps there's some interactive study, or maybe you've used it to print out materials or even to educate yourself on the topic or to find other products. Is that correct? Exactly, yes. So, for example, in our dinosaur unit studies, um, we have something on... You know, we have a special, a bunch of lessons that are just specifically on um, dinosaurs that flew or were in the water. And so there's a lot of different interesting. I think the thing is keep flexible and keep your ideas open because as you explore different websites, you're going to get new ideas. And so if, you, if you're too rigid in <clears throat> what you have planned, then you're not going to be as successful. But if you say, oh, there's an interesting idea, let, let me see if I can incorporate that idea. Like you may not have thought about studying, you know, whale dinosaurs, you know, um, but you may come across something that is a great resource or a great lesson that would really be fun to do. So really kind of interest-led learning, you know, what are your goals for this semester? What do you want to learn about? And then you're coming in and for really for almost free, you're creating your own curriculum for it. Right, I suppose you could really utilize your children's learning styles too because you could buy um, audio products or books on tape or manipulatives that fit in with that particular uh, theme or interest. Right. Right. So, for example, if you were studying dinosaur whales, you could do a collage. You can um, draw a life-size whale and chalk in your driveway. Or you could then incorporate literature by creating a whale poem, like a diamante poem. You know, all different kinds of poems uh, um, you can create. So there's lots of different ways to bring in all of the subjects on any given topic. And that's what we do in our unit studies, and that's what, you know, that's the value, that's what we feel is, you know, our value, but there's also ways that you could do that at home on your own. And of course, homeschool.com has gathered together a lot of resources for new and veteran homeschoolers as well. Uh, for example, when you come to homeschool.com, there's a red sentence on the top left that says, new to homeschooling? And exactly. if you click on that, it takes you to the link of the Uh, what we consider to be the top 10 homeschooling books to read. There's a link on learning about the different homeschooling styles, uh, 10 things you need to know before homeschooling your children. Um, So we have lots and lots of information there for the new homeschooler. Uh, The support groups section, it's homeschool.com slash support. Uh, That's where you go in uh, to find the homeschooling support groups in your area. So it's a pull-down menu, so you select the name of your state, and then a list of support groups comes up, so you can find the support groups in your town, which, of course, is really important whenever you have a goal, and especially when you're doing something different than the way um, a lot of other people do, is to surround yourself by um, loving, caring, informative support, so that way you can find the homeschooling groups in your area. We also have very active message boards. So at homeschool.com slash boards, there's a button you can click on that says message boards, you can um, uh, write back and forth and type back and forth to other homeschoolers, you know, maybe when you're having a tough day and you need a little uh, pick-me-up, or if you have question about curriculum or what did you like, what did you not like. You know, I have a child who's having a hard time learning his spelling. What would you recommend? Uh, I'm just getting started out. How can you help me? Very, very active boards there. Uh, we also have a getting started kits um, for um, people who are interested. We have uh, kits for Christian Homeschooling, high school homeschooling, getting started, uh, unit studies. 
Um, those are popular. Of course, all of the teleconference recordings, you can find the button on the left-hand side of homeschool.com for teleconference recordings, and we'll uh, leave this up and keep adding to it. And that's a, a very affordable resource as well, access to all these wonderful experts. Uh, we have an online curriculum store that just opened up this week. Uh, there's a button for that on the top left-hand side. Uh, the resource guide is one of the most popular sections on homeschool.com. It's broken in by category areas. So there's sections for curriculum, reading, writing, elementary school, high school, middle school, math, science, you name it. And that's where you can go in and find a listing of all the different uh, companies that offer um, learning materials for the home learner, you know, specifically for um, for homeschooling. And, of course, when you're just starting out homeschooling, sometimes you think, oh, my gosh, I'm, where am I going to be able to find supplies? But uh, homeschooling is a big business nowadays. So you name it, uh, if they've created it for the school market, most likely they've created a home version for it. Mm-hmm. Homeschool.com also has a free um, tip of the week, homeschooling tip of the week, and that's a button on the top of the home page. And so you can get that, and then once a week, a little a little pop-up message comes up on your screen with something inspirational to kind of uh, keep you motivated and going on your homeschooling adventure. So I just want to let people know about those resources as well. Oh, also we have DVD schooling. Uh, we've partnered with Family Pass. So if you're looking for um, educational DVDs about algebra or from the Discovery Channel or PBS or the History Channel, those are all available through the uh, DVD schooling button, and they're really terrific. You pay a monthly fee, and then they send you out either three or five CDs at a time. They have uh, algebra courses. They have history courses. I mean, all these um, great um, shows that were available on television, on cable, you can rent on a DVD and then return it and then get more. So you, the Internet really is a terrific resource, isn't it, Patricia? Yes, it is. You know, people talk anyway. about the cost of homeschooling, and generally it's uh, more expensive than public schooling and less than private schooling. But if you wanted to, you could you could educate your children for practically free. I'd say that's true pre-internet, but nowadays I think it could be much cheaper. Yeah, I, really. Yeah. So, so um, economics and cost is not an issue then when you're homeschooling your children. Right, except that you have to have one parent home. Exactly, <laughs> at least right. part time. That's right. right. <laughs> Supervise it. Well, gosh, it's been so very nice having you with us. We've been speaking with Patricia Carnabusi. Am I pronouncing your last name correctly? Yes, you are. And that's spelled C-A-R-N-A-B-U-C-I. And remember, uh, Patricia Carnabusi, she's the founder of EducationWorld.com. But the website that you're going to find most uh, useful is www.homeschoollearning. And that's going to have those two L's right there. H-O-M-E-S-C-H-O-O-L-L-E-A-R-N-I-N-G dot com. Patricia said if you send her an email to info at homeschoollearning.com, she'll send you a list of the different uh, resources that she's been talking about. And again, to remind you that homeschool.com has a list of the top 100 educational websites, which Patricia helped us put together, and that's available on homeschool.com. You can use our search at the bottom left side to put in top 100, or you can go to our articles section. That is where we archive our newsletters, and there's a category there for uh, top 100. So, Patricia, do you mind if we um, open up the uh, call in case any of our listeners have a question? That would be great. 
So uh, once again, quite a few people on the call. If Would you please stay in mute mode, that's star six, to mute out your phone, and then come out one at a time to uh, either with a question, a comment, a suggestion, a resource. This is our time to kind of commune together and uh, help each other use the power of the Internet to homeschool our children. So here we go. We're going to open up the call. Okay. Hello. First, uh, first question, comment, or uh, a suggestion. Go I ahead. Have, I have a question. Yes, we can hear you. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I'm not only new at homeschooling, but I'm new to computers. So when you're talking about the browser, um, I've been having a problem getting into the message boards because it says that my computer is not accepting cookies, and I don't know how to fix that. Um, are you using Internet Explorer? Uh, there was a little bit of background oh. noise. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna, the best way is to go to your Internet options, which is usually under a tools pull-down, and that's a security setting. And so you may need to open up your security just a little bit to allow the cookies to come in because there are so many sites that accept that that ne you need to have accepting cookies for your on your end. Um, and basically, cookies basically just tells you little bits of information. Like it. for our site, we use cookies to store your um, username and password so that we know who you are when you when you come to our site. That kind of thing. So cookies are not. Um, let's explain what cookies are a little bit and um, why they're good and bad, if you okay. wouldn't mind, Patricia. Basically, a, a website such as mine will implement a cookie, and the cookie is stored on your on your computer. And so that's what you have turned off. Your, your computer says, I, I don't want any cookies stored on my computer. And basically, when you come to my site, my site looks at your computer and says, oh, that's who you are in terms of your username and password. And then it gathers that information. Now, there are some cookies that, you know, if you, there are websites that gather cookies and try to gather too much information and track what you're doing, and that's called malware. Um, but they're really but, not the bad um, issue that they were years ago, are they? No, it's not. And cookies are something that you really need to have turned on just in general for websites these days. And to keep track of your passcodes. And, yeah. And plus, the websites are so intuitive. You know, when you come in the first time, it'll say, oh, welcome. Here's some, you know, how to get started information for you. And it only gives it to you once. It doesn't give it to you every time you come right. in. Right. So you really do need to have cookies put on, and it's really not um, very risky. Let's talk about pop too, because not every pop-up is bad. Right. Yeah, because right. they're, you know, pop-ups are those ads that come in and they're interrupting, you know, interruption marketing. That's no fun. You're trying to get to homeschool.com or homeschoollearning.com and all these advertising pop-ups come in your way with, you know, about gambling and Viagra and all of that. But there are also, you know, good entry pops and exit pops to websites that kind of help guide you through a site. So what do you recommend, Patricia? Should we always have our uh, pop-up blocker on? Um, I think you want to have your pop-up blocker on, but you want to be aware that there are some sites that you may want to visit that have pop-ups and that in those sites you're going to want to include a, a, in your exclusion list for your pop-up blockers. So, for example, when you log into homeschool uh, homeschoollearning.com, uh, a little window will pop up for your username and password. Some computers see that as a pop-up and you won't see it. So you'll want to exclude homeschoollearning.com from your from your pop-up blocking, um, and so and that's just uh, I'm just using that as an example, but other sites as well. 
So you want to be aware that you have a pop-up blocking software going and that that could cause a problem. And so just keep it in the back of your mind if things are starting to go a little strange on you. Well, you're so knowledgeable. Let's open up and take another question, Patricia. Thank you for that excellent question, caller. Um, I have a question. Yes, please go ahead. Um, I noticed that when I go into sites, like I was in the homeschoolation.com site. I'm, I'm sorry. Hold on. Hold on just a moment. Um, callers, there's someone who thinks that they're in um, mute mode. We can hear you're either doing dishes or moving something heavy. Would you mind checking your phone and making sure that you press star six? It gets a little confusing. Sometimes you think you're in mute mode, but you're not. Okay, that's better now. So, caller, go ahead and ask your question again, please. Okay, so um, my question is, when you get into a site, usually you find links within links within links, and pretty soon you've got an hour to two hours worth of material to read, or you're copy and pasting some of that information on the website into Word documents so you can save them and read them later or print out lesson plans. And I'm finding it's almost overwhelming how much information, you know, is available and and that you can actually use, but it takes so much time to read and organize it and then later actually retrieve it and put it into a lesson plan. Do you have any suggestions on how to kind of like put, get that into control a little bit? I think that the source, the, the first site that you use, where you're getting the links from, because if, uh, what I don't do anymore is type in, um, if I'm trying to do something for dinosaurs, I'm not going to just type in dinosaur links and get a whole page of dinosaur links because that becomes overwhelming because how do I know out of the hundred listed and then they lead to other places just like you said. What you want to do is start out at one of the very um, the very reputable websites such as Discovery School on dinosaurs or whatever your topic is or a unit study on dinosaurs like what we have, or um, a lesson plan that you find on dinosaurs that have maybe the four or five top resources. And those are the ones you use. And you are very consciously aware that you don't want to just cl keep clicking into oblivion because that does get very overwhelming. And that's what we're trying to control so you don't feel overwhelmed and that you can use it. Now you uh, mentioned Yahoo again. Some, what are some of the other sites, uh, if you wouldn't mind, give us the addresses for them that you consider to be good jumping off for the research so you don't get lost in um, in Google hell, so to speak. Um, yeah, Hooligans is good. They have a, because what they do is they have a very short, they have a short list on any given topic. And that's Yahoo. Um, but that's the list you can get from me, and that's also the list, I mean, the top 100 that we developed together, Rebecca, um, that also is a great starting place for, you know you're going to get really good stuff. Marco Polo is excellent for that. Um, and I'd say start with a lesson plan. So if you're, um, we're just using dinosaurs, so t dinosaur lesson plans, you find the right dinosaur lesson plan. They're inevitably, or a web quest, they're inevitably going to have a series of, of links. And you don't want to wander too far from that link. You have to remember, okay, I just clicked there. Now I'm going to go back to my starting point and click on the next one there because they're going to be the most valuable link. That's true. That's Otherwise, you, you think that you're going to spend 10 minutes at the Internet, and before you know it, two hours have gone by, and your husband and children are, have been calling to you. Right. <laughs> right. It, it does become a black hole, doesn't it? Yes, and that's why, I mean, that's the planning part of it. You want to say, okay, well, maybe I want five pages of information I want to print out and five ideas. And you have to be very, you know, you have to be diligent in your outline of what you're trying to do so that you can limit and you don't feel so overwhelmed. Well, that's excellent. Let's take another question. Thank you. Thank you for that excellent question. Uh, next caller, please.
Yes, we can hear you trying to get through. We're speaking with Patricia Carnabusi, talking about how to use the power of the Internet in your home school. Do you have any questions or comments for her before we sign up? I can, I can hear them. so many people on the call, Patricia, and it's been working really well. I can hear she's trying to get through. And once again, callers, we are uh, recording this call. So if you weren't able to take notes, you can come to homeschool.com slash pre-order or, uh, or press on the teleconferences. Um, order that, and then you can order that and some of the other topics around this. We have an excellent Valerie Bent spoke about unit studies. That was last week. Really, really helpful information. Um, so you can go ahead and select which recordings you want, and we'll get them out to you as uh, soon as we can. Order them as soon as you can so we know how many copies of each to make up, if you would. It's a little bit of a, um, so many orders have been coming in, and we want to prepare ahead of time as much as we can. Uh, Rebecca? Yes. I had a question. Yes, please go ahead. Um, if you could, Patricia, could you tell me the difference between, like, the definition of unit studies versus eclectic studies? Patricia, that's such a good question. Let me repeat that. She was saying, can you tell her the difference between unit studies and eclectic studies? Um, yes. Well, let's see. I can first say that unit studies basically goes through one specific theme. So you could take, well, since we were on dinosaurs, you could take dinosaurs and you're going to learn about dinosaurs from the perspective of math, science, literature, all of your major subject areas. Um, with eclectic, you're not limited to just doing themes, doing work theme-based. So you may um, like some of the Montessori approaches to learning language or learning the alphabet, or you may like the Waldorf music and um, performing arts piece, or you may like to do unschooling on a particular subject or you know area of your homeschooling. Um, and so basically, it's taking those different types of homeschooling methods and saying, okay, for math, I need to really stay structured because my needs worksheets one after the other in order to really get it because he doesn't like to sit there and thing. But for literature, I'm going to let him do his own thing because he, he'll fly, you know, really fast ahead. Or this week we're going to do a theme and then you're more in the unit studies approach. So the unit studies is really taking a theme and going through all of the subjects and the eclectic is really taking all of the different methods and putting it together the way it fits best for your child. And unschooling is kind of like the eclectic method, except according to Pat Faranga that we interviewed last week, he said the difference is, is that your child can say no. So when you're unschooling them, you may uh, uh, suggest, you make suggestions and, you know, ask them, how would you like to organize it? Would you like to do unit studies? You know, here's a math book I found for you. But he said the difference is that when you're unschooling, your child is allowed to say no, thank you. Whereas with eclectic school, um, schooling, there's no tears, of course, involved, but where the uh, parent has pretty much set the schedule for it. Um, so also for more information, call her about the unit studies, ValerieBent.com, V-A-L-E-R-I-E-B-E-N-D-T.com. She wrote the book Unit Studies, dot, uh, unit studies Made Easy. On Homeschool.com, too, we uh, put out a great newsletter a couple of months ago uh, called Unit Studies uh, Made Easy. That's right there in the on the homepage of Homeschool.com. Uh, also, the interview last week with Valerie, I think you'll find that very helpful as well because she explains it in more detail. So um, did that answer your question? 
Yes, and you even answered the unschooling, which I was just about to ask. <laughs> I, I didn't understand it myself. I said, oh, no, Pat, help me. What is the difference between relaxed homeschooling, eclectic homeschooling, and unschooling? <laughs> so he says that's the big difference. When you're unschooling, the children get to say no. That sounds dangerous to me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's working so well for so many unschoolers. But it's kind of a scary idea too, the whole uh, trust the child. Right. When we live when we live in a society that doesn't necessarily trust children very much. And it's also something that I think comes over time when you're a homeschooling parent. Like if you're just coming out of the school system, I find that people want to know, okay, tell me what exactly structured learning you have on your website yeah. for me. Yeah. If the parents have been around a while, or the kids have been, uh, you know, homeschooled for a while, it's it does become more relaxed. And yeah, that's true. And plus, the proof's in the pudding. They start seeing the kids growing up to be nice kids, good citizens, well educated, and then it's less scary. Yeah. Well, what a terrific discussion we're having. Thank you, everyone, very much. This Thank is you. ending uh, today, uh, the first day of our second week. We're going to be coming uh, back. Hello. In Yes, hello. Um, I'm sorry, I had a question. Yes, is, go ahead. Do you mind describing, you mentioned relaxed homeschooling. What exactly is relaxed homeschooling? I know the other three, but what, what is relaxed homeschooling? Uh, relaxed homeschooling, sometimes um, I've noticed, uh, and so had some of our, our Christian guests, that uh, Christian homeschoolers may tend to homeschool in a school-at-home approach, a very, very structured approach. Sometimes there's a very high burnout method to that kind of the mother sacrificing and not enjoying the whole process very much and not and children not either. So this phrase relaxed homeschooling has come about for uh, Christian homeschoolers primarily who want to take a more relaxed approach to it. So but but really it seems to be all the same. In other words relaxed homeschooling is the phrase used in uh, Christian circles on Christian websites. Eclectic homeschooling just the word eclectic is so such a big word anyway and a word that we don't use in our normal conversation. And then the word unschooling had some negative connotations to it, just that it was unschooling. Yeah. Of course, unschooling was the word that was coined by John Holt before the phrase homeschooling even existed. So before the word homeschooling was used, the word unschooling was used. Did that answer your question? Yes, it did. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. So we're finishing up today. We've had four excellent hours of interviews, so much great information. We're coming back tomorrow, Tuesday, August 2nd, and we're going to be talking um, with Christine Field on Homeschooling the Different Learner. We're talking with Bobby DePorter on test-taking strategies for a test-crazy world. You're going to love this interview because uh, many homeschooling states require you to take these tests, and um, Bobby is an expert in this area. Then we're going to talk with Joyce Herzog about uh, teaching different age children at the same time which, of course, is very important for homeschoolers who may have two, three, four, five children. And then we finish it up with Mary Emma Willis. Her expertise is learning styles, the keys to confidence and success. So tomorrow, um, be, you know it's going to be a lot of popular calls. Be sure to log on about five minutes before each call starts and have your uh, notepad and pens ready because some really terrific information. So thank you very, very much. If you will all join me, please come out of mute mode. Press star six and say goodbye to our guest this last hour, Patricia Carnabusi with homeschoollearning.com. Thank you, Patricia. You're welcome. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you.